Amen. Amen. Huh? Any other? I'd like to give a praise that uh, the, um, oh, the pastor at Taylor that they made it to yeah. Kentucky safety yeah. and just prayers for them yeah. as they start their new journey. Amen. Yeah, I had uh, told you a couple of weeks ago to put Taylor Memorial on the prayer list and keep. We'll, we'll add them by, and, and pray for them. They're going to be searching for a pastor, and that is an ordeal. Uh, to find the right pastor that God's called to your church. And uh, when it's the right one, man, it works good. Uh, when it's not, it is nothing but turmoil. So pray that that search committee will be uh, uh, guided by the Lord. And pray that that pastor that is being guided by the Lord. And yes, uh, Brother Steve and, and Shelly and the boys made it to Kentucky. Uh, and so uh, he was worried if he was going to get there on time because the movers, I would shake up with the movers. But they're there and uh, his, their, both of their parents are aging and have some health issues. So it just works out best for everybody. Any other praises, prayer requests? Amen. And what he's talking about is we'll put out a volunteer list and we'll get some volunteers, but we usually wind up way more volunteers than, than, than signed up. Uh, because, and I, I kind of understand that. People don't want to be obligated and, you know, if they can work it out, they can work it out. Uh, I had a conversation with a guy the other day and uh, we were talking and, you know, you, you, you hate you dread having to go to some events, and then when you get there, it turns out to be the best time you've had in a long time, you know. So, um, it, it, you just do what the Lord calls you to do. That's, and that's kind of what my sermon's going to be about today. Any other praises or prayer requests? Go ahead, Jason. Okay. All right. If there's no others, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. And Lord, we just thank you for your mercy and your blessings. Lord, we thank you for the provisions that you give us. Lord, we lift up these that were mentioned, the Whiting family, the John Williams family, uh, the, the Snell family. Uh, we lift up Brother Jeff Thompson as he is, uh, is recovering from a wreck. And, and, and they go on and on. The, the, the victims in Kentucky, uh, those in the mountains of North Carolina um, that are rebuilding. Lord, our military list is long. And Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you have your hands and eyes upon all these events. Lord, we ask you to guide our time here today. Uh, may all we do honor you. Lord, I ask you to fill this place with your spirit. May we seek your wisdom in everything that we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Our offertory hymn is 225, 225.
There's power in the blood. Would you live free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's power in the war in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the Once again, good morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, if you will turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, 
those of us that are a bit, or those that come on Wednesday night, we've already covered this. Uh, but the Lord has been speaking to me about this, and uh, and so I'm going to do my best to put this out there with what He's laid on my heart. And I'm going to be using a outline uh, by William Smitty uh, to kind of help guide me through this. Uh, but the commentary and everything will be mine. Uh, and so we'll go to chapter 1, verse 17. Chapter 1, verse 17. And this is Paul praying for the Ephesians. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceedingly greatness of his power to us, to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this. I ask you, Lord, to, to make these verses come alive. Allow us to apply them to our lives. Let us walk them out. Uh, and let those that are listening here and those that are listening uh, online, wherever they are, Lord, let them... Let this word speak to their heart. Let this be a, a beacon that lifts us up as believers. Uh, Lord, we love you. And I ask that I decrease and you increase. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one, we're going to start out in Paul's uh, prayer. He starts out wanting us to have a deeper knowledge of God. He wants us to, uh, you know, to have this, but it comes from uh, the Spirit that we're indwelled with, but it's also the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who He is. We as Christians are called to understand who God is. How can we tell others about what He's done for us if we do not understand who He is? If we don't know what He's about? If we don't know what His spirit is, what His nature is, what His likes are, His dislikes? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, when you start dating someone, you know, and eventually they become your wife, you, there's, a, there's a learning curve there. You know, 35 years ago, I had to figure out what Sharon liked, what she didn't like. I had to figure out what made her mad, what didn't make her mad. I had to figure out, you know, the things that, that her core beliefs were. And that's what we need to get to. What are your core beliefs? You know, we had discussions. How are we going to raise our children? We didn't have children at the time, but how were we going to raise them? We had a discussion. I said, well, it doesn't matter to me. She was Methodist, I was Baptist. I was not, at that time, understanding that the Lord was leading me to become a pastor. And that's a whole other story in and of itself. But uh, when I told her that the Lord was calling me to be a pastor, she said, I didn't sign up for this. I said, well, guess what? I didn't either, but yet here we are, you know, uh, but And we're doing it of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. He wants us to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul prayed that the Father would grant the Ephesians the spirit of wisdom. And that, that he would give uh, and would grant 
them to be able to have a revelation of what that meant. But these are not just to say that, this, that, that he wanted to, uh, to see into their lives of others. He had the ability to predict the events. God has the ability to predict the events. He wants us to come in. He wants to come in into our lives. He wants to indwell our lives. And then he wants to, Paul's going to use a, a term here later. He wants the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. The eyes of our heart. See, the heart traditionally has been a place of knowledge. It's where our core beliefs lie. You know, it's about what makes you tick. Think about this. You were raised and you have certain beliefs in your system that's right and wrong that were instilled with you from your parents. Like I know that from my mom and dad that you're to be honest. Honest. No matter what, always tell the truth. You won't get near as much trouble if you tell the truth than if you try to whittle around and spin things and beat around the bush. But yet, we try to spin things to this day to make us our situations not so bad. We do this. That's just our old nature. But he wants us to have the, the revelation in his word and, and, and to correct the false idolatrous ideas of God that we had and grew up with. Think about this. If we have the misunderstanding of who God is and we're perpetuating that to others, isn't that idolatry? Aren't we giving an example of who God is by our own beliefs rather than what the Word of God says? That becomes a false God. That becomes an idol. And we need to be true about who we're representing. Remember, the God that created the universe, like, like the song we sang to open, up, to open up, How Great Thou Art. When you look around, look at the wonders, the stars. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, the earth's got the right tilt. He created man in his image. All of those things speak to God's nature. The knowledge of him is it's important for us to have an accurate knowledge. Uh, you know, a famous writer named Alexander Pope wrote, uh, Know then thyself, presume not God to scan. The proper study of mankind is man. Kind of makes sense, don't it? You would think that the proper study of what mankind is would take a man to do that. But Charles Spurgeon, he took, he took a little bit a difference of that and took it to a different direction. Spurgeon responded to this famous statement. It has been said by someone that the proper study of mankind is man. And I will not oppose that idea, but I believe it is equally true that the proper study of man, uh, the proper study of mankind uh, is uh, the proper study of God and God's elect. The proper study of a Christian is the Godhead. The highest science and loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, philosophy which can ever engage the attention of the child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God who he calls his father. Think about that. Think about how great it was. You know, I can remember, I don't believe I ever called my dad father. I would answer questions and somebody said, who is that? I said, that's my dad. Or they would say, is that your father? I said, yes, that's my dad. You know, I don't think I ever referred to my dad as my father. He was my dad. 
And we're supposed to get to the place where we refer to our God as dad. Jesus said, Abba. Abba, Father. Dad. Dad. We're to be so close. Think about these things that he gave us. He gave us the opportunity to have wisdom through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. Part of the triune God resides in our heart. We're to gain wisdom by not only by reading his word, but by revelation of the Holy Spirit. See, most folks forget that. They're, they're, we have to have a revelation of the Holy Spirit to open their words to. Have you ever been reading your Bible and all of a sudden you have what I like to call an aha moment? When you're reading it and all, you come across a verse that you probably read a thousand times and all of a sudden, ah, I got it. I see what he's talking about. Those are revelations from the Holy Spirit. Those are nuggets that were meant for us at that time. Not necessarily for us, but for others. Why do we display? Why do we display the beauties of our holiness? Is it for us? No. Is it for unity in the church? Maybe, but the majority of the time is for those who don't know Christ. You're under the microscope. You know, there's a saying about pastors living in a fishbowl. Where these young pastors are living their lives and, and they got their children and, and everybody in the congregation got their eyes on them. You let one of the children do something wrong and it starts. You know, they live in a fishbowl. We as Christians live in an aquarium. You ever been to a, the aquarium down at the beach and walk through and you can walk through the little thing and the fish are all around you? We live in an aquarium. The world is the aquarium and we're living in it. We're not from here. <sighs> Just so you know, I'm going to catch it. As soon as this is over with, I promise you, I'm going to get in trouble. Um, anyway, um, and we live in it. And so all the other fishes are looking at us. We're in the aquarium. They're on the outside looking in. We are in God's aquarium. What does your life look like? That's what he's talking about the Ephesians. He wants us to know what our calling is. You know, Paul says that they found, they would uh, praise that they would have understanding in everything God gave them in Jesus Christ. See, we never think about that. We really never think about what we've gained by our salvation in Christ. You know, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I'm going to read 18 again. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. First part, that we may know the enlightenment through understanding, that our eyes may be understanding. And he's talking about the eyes of our heart. And then, uh, what is the hope of his calling? And our, we are his inheritance. We are his inheritance. It's what it says right here. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You are a saint. You are God's inheritance. We are his workmanship. We are his pride and his joy. 
See, the eyes of our, of our understanding being enlightened, if the Ephesians uh, will know all God has given them in Jesus Christ, it will take a supernatural work. It will require the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Have you been enlightened? Has the Holy Spirit opened the Word of God up to you? Are you reading the Word of God? If you're reading the Word of God and you're praying and asking for wisdom, guess what? It's going to happen. You're going to come to an understanding. There's, a, there's an old wise tale or joke or whatever you want to say about this man who was a member of a church. From the time he was born until the time he died, he was a member of this one church. He had joined the church. He came down the aisle like everybody else. He was 90 years old. They had a, they had a, a special speaker. The speaker spoke. The 90-year-old man came to the altar, accepted Christ. The next Sunday, during the middle of the sermon, he stands up, pastor, pastor. They've rewritten the Bible. I can understand it. The Holy Spirit was causing him to be able to understand God's Word. He had sat there for 90 years and didn't understand the thing they were talking about. What does the Bible tell us about the Spirit? What does it tell us about the Word of God? The Word of God is like nonsense to the non-believer. He finally had wisdom. He had enlightenment. His eyes of his heart had been opened. And Paul uses this great expression when he speaks, the eyes of your heart. The heart is more literal than understanding. The eyes of our understanding have been opened. And to many Christians, hearts have no eyes. Places where they gain real knowledge and understanding. And to many Christians, eyes have no heart. Think about that. But God wants both to be combined in us. He wants the eyes of our heart and our heart to be combined. Remember, think about the hymns that we've heard where we would, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I think that's a contemporary song that Casting Crown sing. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart that I may see you. Think about that. I may see you. Are we seeing the Lord? The word heart in Scripture signifies the very core of our center of our life. Our lives should be so centered around God Almighty that nothing else comes in after that. It should be God. It should be church, family, wives, kids, whatever. And somewhere down about 15 or 16 is me. And you. Because we're supposed to be about His business. And God will protect us. What is the hope of his calling? Paul wanted them to know this. Few things give us more secure and enduring hope in life than simply knowing that God has called us into his specific calling for your life and my life. We're not just randomly picked. We have a specific calling. Each one of us are here as members of Deep Creek Baptist Church have a specific calling and a specific duty to perform. We're not just to come to be, for lack of a potato, lack of a better saying, pew potatoes. We're to be combatants on the field, participants. We're not to be spectators. And God is calling us and He's helping us come to the understanding of that fulfillment. The hope of His calling has the perspective of the future. The believer has a glorious future, not only of resurrection, eternal life, and freedom from sin, uh, and pre perfected justification and glorious elevation above the angels themselves. Think about this. 
When we go home, we are going to be elevated above the angels. Right now, the angels are above us. We're going to be elevated above the angels. We're going to be the children of God, just like Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We're going to be the sons and daughters. I've been trying to put that across. What are the riches of His glory, uh, uh, of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? Paul wanted them to know the greatness of God's inheritance in His people. Now, we usually think only of our inheritance in God, but Paul wanted the Ephesians to understand that they also are precious to God and that he considered them his own inheritance. We are considered his own inheritance. So let me ask you this. If we are his inheritance, what does it look like? Is he getting something rare and precious? Is he getting something common? Or is he getting something that's not only old, but it's valuable. Are we just some common thing that everybody has and living in today's society, the, the buy and toss society? We buy it, it breaks, we toss it. What are we? Are we living up to the fact that we are his inheritance? What is our position before him? What does our position look like when we stand there and he asks us, what have you done with my gift of salvation? What have you done with it? That's how we're going to be judged. What have you done? Have you multiplied it? Have you shared it? Have you lived it? Have you walked it? Those are the things that we're going to be asked. Knowing our spiritual poverty, we wonder how God can find any inheritance in the saints. That God can make riches out of poor men and women. Because he invests so much in them. Think about this. He invests so much. He has invested riches of love, riches of wisdom, riches of suffering, riches of glory. These things accure to a rich inheritance in the saints. Think about the things that he has invested in you. Wisdom. Think about the wisdom he's invested in you. Think about the love that he's invested in you. Love should be first. Because love is what sent Jesus to the cross for us. Riches of wisdom. Riches of suffering. We've all suffered something. Maybe not as much as others. But we've suffered. We've suffered loss of loved ones. We've suffered physical losses. We've suffered financial losses. Since we became a Christ, we've lost friends. And the riches of glory. These things all combine to a rich inheritance in the saints. Think about this. How do you grow in your faith? Through all those mentioned above. God has shown you love in the tough times. God has gave you wisdom in the tough times to get through. Have any of you ever wrestled with God? It's okay to wrestle with Him. And through these things, you grow in your, in your faith. You grow in your trust. You grow in your knowledge and wisdom. The exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe... Paul wanted us and them to understand how the great power of God is toward us who believe. Christians should know that they serve and love a God 
of a living power. Our God is not dead. And you know, our God is alive. We know that. And who shows his strength, not only on behalf of his people. Think about this. Miss Rachel, I will use her as an example, was worried to the point that before she went to have this procedure, she picked out a cemetery plot. And I told her, I said, we can pick it out. I said, but you're not going to need it. I said, because, you know, God's got you. You're going to come through this. Well, I'm just dotting all my I's and crossing all my T's. I said, I understand. And I said, it's good to be prepared. Got a text message from her daughter, or her, excuse me, her sister-in-law. Miss Rachel's fine. She's at home. She's resting. God provides we know that. We've seen it here. This church has a history of praying for people and they being healed. And I've told you about my first week here, my first night. Brother Wayne was in the hospital. He'd had a stroke. They went to see him. They, he didn't recognize anybody. Wednesday night, my first night here, we all get together at the altar and we pray for Wayne. Sunday morning, Wayne is in church. God answered prayer. We prayed for a lot of things. People have been healed. Diseases. People have been healed of addictions. Think about it. Think about it. God has these powers. And he opens them up to us through those who are his inheritance. Many Christians do not know this power. Or they only know it from a distance. God wants... Uh, a resurrection life to be real in the life of the believer. Do you believe you're going to be resurrected? Do you believe that you're going to go to heaven? If you die, you're going to sleep. But immediately, your soul is in the presence of God. Period. And if you're not a believer, immediately your body is going to the same place, but your soul is going to hell. Flat out. For eternity. Listen to this. The very same power which raised Christ is waiting to raise the drunkard from his drunkenness, to raise the addict from their addiction, to raise the thief from his dishonesty. To raise the Pharisee from his self-righteousness. To raise the Sadducee from his unbelief. These things were written by Charles Spurgeon. Think about that. That power. We've seen it. And on a lesser scale, those that are addicted to nicotine, those that are addicted to whatever, the power of the Spirit of God can relieve that. He has done that. I can attest to it. We've seen this. This ends the request portion of Paul's prayer. The following section is, is for their growth and their enlightenment. Uh, and so in verse 19 it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? According to the working of his mighty power, the power that works in us, the, uh, the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead with his mighty power available to us never needs to be a power shortage. Think about this. 
There is enough power in the Holy Spirit that resides in us and the God Almighty that created this in the Christian life for us to overcome anything that's put in front of us. If the death of Christ is the supreme de uh, demonstration of, his, of the love of God, then the resurrection of Christ is the supreme demonstration of His power. Now think about this. People doubt the power of God. God created the universe. He spoke it into existence. He placed the sun. He placed the stars. He placed the moon. Made the earth. Divided the waters. Placed all the trees and all the vegetation and all the animals on this earth full grown. He placed Adam on this earth and found out that Adam didn't have a helper. And he placed a woman from Adam's body on this earth. Full grown man, full grown woman. And when he placed all of them there as full grown, completed fish, whatever, they had the intelligence that they were supposed to have as full grown people. People today studied, well I just can't believe that Adam and Eve learned how to write. Well, they had a language because he named everything according to what goes on in this world. Academia would have you believe that he grunted the names of these things. Adam was a full-grown, fully developed male. Eve was a full-grown, fully developed female. And they talked to each other. Otherwise, how did the snake in the, in the, in the Garden of Eden deceive them? And you notice I said them, T-H-E-M. Yes, she was the one who initiated, but he was there and didn't stop it. And there's things that we need to understand today through wisdom in God. We as Baptists, we have three ordinances. Marriage is between one man and one woman. Baptism by immersion and communion. The Eucharist, as it's called. Those are our three ordinances. Now, we have a lot of doctrine. We have a lot of doctrine. God intended that man would be born man and woman be born woman because they were to provide a function. Not only were they to populate the earth, but they were to complement each other. There's certain things that women are better at than men and there's certain things that men are better at than women. That's because God made it that way. And so these things are set out by the mighty power of God. And so the raising of Christ is a demonstration of His power and seated Him at the right hand in His mighty power. The power that raised Jesus to heaven after his resurrection, raising him above all demonic foes and every potential enemy of the time, of all time, this same power is at work in Christians. The right hand is a place of friendship, honor, confidence, and authority. The right hand. And he is far above all principality, power, and, and, and dominion. Paul talks about Jesus being in the third heaven. And he tells us that this resurrection is a mystery. 
And there's things he knows because he went to the third heaven. And God forbid him to tell us. But that's okay. I know where I'm going. I know there's going to be a resurrection. I know there's going to be a rapture. I know that. It's in the book. The word rapture is not, but the idea and the premise is there. And if a good old lowly country boy like me can figure it out, everybody else should be able to too. Contrary to popular belief, I'm not the brightest light bulb in the hallway. But I know what I know. So here's the thing. Today, we have power. Do you recognize who you are? Are you learning about that power? Are you using that power for God's purpose that He's called you to? See, each one of us are called to a purpose. Each one of us are to be witnesses for Him. Each one of us are disciples. Each one of us are to go and make disciples of the world. doesn't say anything about us going and saving anybody. It says go and make disciples of the nations. Teaching them to obey all my commands and lo, I am with you until the end of the age. We have work to do. And if you are at a place in your life where you're not physically able to get out and do that, you can transition to a prayer warrior. You can lift up your congregation. You can lift up your pastor. You can lift up your Sunday school teacher. You can lift up those around you in prayer that God will guide them and open their eyes of their heart so they can see. So that we can see and affect change for this world. This world is not over. We still have time. The trumpet has not blown. The dead in Christ have not rised yet. And we who are alive have not been called up yet. So we have a job to do. And that job is to make sure that everybody we come in contact with has heard the gospel so that they don't cross over the threshold of hell without having heard it. That way their blood is not on us, it's on them. I know I'm packing a lot in here. But it's important because I believe time is short. How short? Don't know. Shorter than it has been. I'll assure you I don't believe it's going to be 2,000 more years. Not the way things are progressing and the way things are lining up. If you read the Word. If you read the Word. So here's my, my call to you. If you're here today and you're a Christian and you're not really sure about where you're going to spend your eternity or you're not really sure about whether you've been in contact with the Holy Spirit recently, I pray that today you rededicate your life. I pray that you ask God to forgive you of your sins and that you rededicate your life. If you're a Christian here today and you just kind of blah, rededicate your lives. God needs you. This church needs you. If you're here today and you haven't made a commitment to Jesus Christ, I pray that you do that, that you don't cross the threshold of this church to exit without having made a commitment to Jesus Christ because your next moment is not, is not promised. And if you die in your sins without having committed your life to Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity in hell separated from God. And you will understand that mistake immediately. And that's my prayer for everyone here. And if you are a Christian and you're feeling good and everything's going on and Satan's bugging you, pray. Pray, Lord, that you don't become complacent in the war that's going on, the spiritual war. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. And Lord, I ask you to bless each soul that's here. Touch their heart. Lord, you have told us your word will not return void. I ask you, Lord, to work on them. I pray that if they have not a relationship with you, that they can't eat, they can't sleep, they can't find peace until they cry out to you, Lord, that they need you as a Savior. And if they're here today and, Lord, they've, they've slipped so far away from life getting caught up and they are your child, but, Lord, they just don't know how to return, I pray today that you'll, you'll fan the fire of those coals and stoke it back to a burning flame for you and for this church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.